1: All right, everybody. Welcome to Southern California Live. It is great to be with you today. I am Pastor Scott Furrow of the First Baptist Church of San Diego, and it's great to be with you again. I'm also host of the Cultivating Ethos Show on KPRZ in San Diego. And, uh, you know, we're going to be together today and also tomorrow and next week, Wednesday through Friday, and then Thursday, I think the following week, so we get to have some opportunity together. And I'd love to get to know you and get to know who you are a little bit, some things that are on your mind. You can give me a call at 888 888- 52 Talks, that's 888-528-2557. And we did have some technical difficulties with the phones, but it's back now, so we're able to get to some calls. 888-528-2557, that is the number. I want to get to some important business, and I want you to stay with me right here on the air uh, with you. But I want to you know, keep your mind, keep this in mind because it's, it's important. It's an important deal. The Dodgers are ahead 7-5 to five in the bottom of the 10th inning in, uh, in Colorado. And extra innings, i got to tell you, the, the new extra inning rules, do you follow this or are you a baseball person where they put the uh, runner on second base to start the inning? It's supposed to speed up the game. I hate it. It's just very little league to me. Um, but the Dodgers have uh, taken advantage of that here in the 10th inning, and that's good because we're trying to catch the Giants two games behind of the Giants. The Padres have tied the Giants now. Actually, the Giants now have uh, tied the Padres. It's 6-6 six to six in the bottom of the seventh inning. So go Dodgers, go Padres. Uh, anybody playing the Giants uh, is my favorite team. We just want the Giants to lose. That's my my thought there. 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557 is the number. Hopefully you've got your coffee for the rest of our program today. and Maybe you just need to refuel and uh, do that. Do you use a Keurig, one of those things, and, uh, or do you go out and get your coffee? Do you make your own? I do all of the above. I'm like Mr. Coffee. Uh, I have more, you know, I, I could do those commercials, I think. And in fact, I probably am selling coffee right now at, at some place out there. Does coffee keep you up at night? Uh, not me. My dentist told me one time, he said, you know, uh, your, your teeth would do better if after you have your last cup of coffee for the day that you go rinse your mouth out and just get that coffee out of there. And I thought my last cup of coffee for the day, you mean like right before I go to bed? And uh, yeah, it just doesn't really affect me that way. Um, Although my wife would disagree because uh, I tend to talk too fast. So I'm just going to try to slow it down here for the program. Here's something I want to do this hour. There is so much stuff out there that's just negative and it brings us down. And if you watch the news, there's crazy stuff going on. I want to talk about optimism. And I want to talk about it from the context of our faith as Christians, because I think that Christianity should be known as an optimistic faith. Are you optimistic? I mean, there's—I I mean, not about temporal concerns, okay, things of this world. There's all kinds of things that, uh, you know, it's very hard to be optimistic about a great many things today. And, but I think when you have an optimistic attitude from a Christian standpoint, you realize that there is nothing going on that somehow is throwing God's plan off. There is nothing going on that is going to take away from your salvation if you know Jesus. There is nothing that is going to take away from the eternal reward that you get if you know Jesus. There's nothing that's gonna take away from the the mission that you have every day in this life if you know Jesus. And there's great reason to be optimistic. And I think it matters for those of us who are in the church because... We need to be light and salt. And I'll tell you what, in the history of the world, people who are not optimistic, they don't get to be light and salt. People don't really uh, spend a lot of time with them or you just connect with them because they're also negative. I like to say this, you know, in church, when you come to church, when new people are visiting your church, most of the time they're not asking the usher out front, hey, tell me where the uh, negative people are. I want to go sit with them. You know, they don't say that. They want to have a good, you know, and if they are saying that, you know, holy cow, you've got, you know, some problems, but most people don't. You want to sit with people who are friendly, who smile, who you know, they're they're not fake. You don't want to be fake. Okay. Being optimistic is not about being fake, but it is about uh, being able to realize whose you are, who you are in Christ, what your mission is. And uh, so I want to ask you this question. I would love to have you call in, call me and tell me what you're optimistic about. What kinds of things are you optimistic about? Maybe you need a minute to think about it because there is so much negativity in our world. Maybe you need a while to think about it. You know, I am, with all the chaos in the world and coming from it as, you know, a, a pastor where I see some pretty rough stuff, I gotta tell you that I have a certain optimism, even with the insanity that's going on. And the optimism that I have is this. Number one, God's gonna have, you know, his way be the way no matter what. And maybe we are winding things down. Maybe, and this is optimistic too, maybe this is the end times. You know, I was talking to a pastor the other day. He thinks we're already in it. And I said, you know, what do you mean you're already in it? You're like uh, out there uh, preaching all the time about the rapture that already happened and we got left behind. And he said, no, I've changed. I'm now mid-trib. And he changed his position. Now he thinks it's happening later because he thinks we're in it. I don't agree uh, in that case, but I can see where people are going with that. And whatever is happening, God's in control. We can be optimistic about that. But I want to look at it from a different standpoint. You know, for me, an optimism that I have is that maybe Jesus isn't returning right away. I mean, it's optimistic that he is, you know, and I hope he is, that's just much better. But what if he's not? People, Christians for 2,000 years have thought Jesus was coming back imminently, all right? What if it's another 2,000 years? Then what is God doing right now? You know what he might be doing? Maybe he's getting ready for a great revival maybe this period of time that we're in with the COVID and with the uncertainty in government, with the instabilities we're seeing and the changes in the world, maybe what's happening is we're about to have another revival. Why not? Why not believe that? Why not believe that there might be an era of of millions of people coming to Christ and having a biblical worldview? There's another person I listen to who keeps pointing out, and I got to find the statistic. He says that only 9% of Christians actually have a biblical worldview, nine, 9%. What if that number is going to go up to 50%? I mean, that'll change the world. There are lots of things to be optimistic about, uh, even in our own life. In fact, one of the things that really helps you get through hard times is to be looking forward to those things getting better and to recognize that the Lord is with you. Anyway, what are you optimistic about? Give me a call, 888-52-TALKS. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. 528 2557 It doesn't have to be such a major thing. Like I just told you, you know, we're going to, everybody's going to get saved. Millions of people are coming to Christ. Maybe you're just optimistic about something personal in your life. I'd love to hear that. Um, I'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. That's about, that's being optimistic. And I want to talk about it because there are so many things we can talk about that's, negative every day, right? We're dealing with with COVID every day and people's response to COVID and then people's response to people's response with COVID. And then we're going to talk about the vaccine and people's attitudes and opinions about the vaccine. And then people's attitudes and opinions about your attitude and opinion about the vaccine. And pretty soon we're just having an argument and breaking it down into all kinds of different places. And it's exhausting. And it takes our eye off the ball. It takes us away from mission as the church, there's the news stories. When I just go down them today, man, there's some rough stuff. The Taliban tells AP today that they are going back to cutting off hands for security. It's a good policy, they say. That's what they said. Cutting off hands necessary for security, according to uh, Tarabi, a Taliban founder. His name is Tarabi, and what went through my mind is: Is Tarabi is this the guy who invented the Tarabian style of citation format that I had to use in college? Is he the guy who invented Turabian? I mean, obviously, that guy was a terrorist because that's impossible to set those footnotes right. Uh, anyway, that's what they think security is like, is that uh, we we cut hands off. And why did we not know this, right? We can just get into this. Like, why did we think that Taliban 2.0 is somehow not going to cut off your hands, you know, if they want to keep security? That's definitely a way to keep control. That's how it is. Uh and then in our country, you can take a look at what we're seeing on the news sometimes and people going into stores and just robbing them and just walking out with a cart full of stuff. I mean, that's, that's changed in our country, too, in, in the wrong way. Like, that's the other extreme, right? So you're cutting off hands on one side, but the other extreme is you do no security. I mean, there's a security guard standing there wherever you shop sometimes, but uh, they're not necessarily doing anything. I used to be security. I used to be Kmart security. Kmart, we called it Kmart. Are they, can we talk about this? Are they still around? I don't know if there's any Kmart's around anymore. Uh, Kmart security. And it used to be like this. They'd have something that was called open line. You'd hear this over the PA. This is true. Open line. they'd say open line front door. And what that means is that somebody just stole something and they went out the front door. And back in the day, it meant that all male employees had to go outside and beat up whoever stole the shoes and bring them back into the store and they would get arrested. I'm not even kidding. You would hear open line over the PA system. Some of you probably know this. Uh, because everybody worked at Kmart for a while, or lots of people did. And you would sprint out the front door. You have this rush of adrenaline. And most people, when you see a bunch of guys in these weird red Kmart vests chasing after you, you just drop the shoes and you say, all right, forget it. And, you know, they're very easy to bring people in. But some people would run, and then sometimes you would chase after them. And one time we chased after this guy. He goes out the the side door in the garden shop. You know, I got to work in the garden shop. I've never been such a liar in my life when they put me in the garden shop, and people are like, will this work in direct sunlight? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I didn't know. I didn't have a clue. Uh, I had to repent a lot from that job. Anyway, they say open line garden shop. And me and one other guy, we chase this guy out the door, and he's far enough away, and then we see him go to another shopping center, and he gets on. They used to have these devices back in the day. They were called payphones. And you would actually stick a coin into it, and then you could make a call. Some of you have seen those. Um, so he gets on a payphone, and we look at each other, and we're like, well, let's go get him. So we jog over there, and he turns around from the payphone, and he starts – I'm not even making this up. He starts fistfighting us. He knuckled me right in the head, and it hurt. I still remember how that felt. And I'm wearing my Kmart vest. I still have it. I wear it at Halloween sometimes. It says Kmart Scott on it. And uh, then he runs from us, and I'm – no joke. He carjacks a car. It's, he car- pulls this lady right out of her car, throws her on the ground, and he takes her car. Well, a friend of the guy who I was running out with, he's with us, and uh, he's got a truck, and we get in the back of this guy's truck and we chase after him. I'm not kidding at all. We're chasing after him. We're driving on the sidewalk. We're driving on the wrong side of the road. We're running red lights. And the guy gets away, and uh, somebody pulls up next to us, and he's all upset, and he goes, You guys are breaking all these laws. I'm making a citizen's arrest. And I looked at him, and I held up my Kmart badge, and I said, It's all right, sir. We're Kmart security. Those days are gone. Uh, I I don't think you're allowed to do any of that. Do you work at you know Tarje or one of these places? I, as security, I don't think you get to do that anymore. The world has changed. It seems to me we need some balance, right? What are you optimistic about? What are the things that you are looking at in your life and you go, you know what? I'm going to be optimistic. I think it's a choice, but I also think that it is something that is a trait of people who follow Jesus. It's something that we can grow in, being optimistic. How do you view the future? Generally speaking, uh, your family life, your personal life, your church life, uh, your country, uh, your dating life, whatever it might be, your job. We live in such a negative world. Most news isn't even news unless it's bad, right? And the reason you can fill up the news with bad stuff all day long, 24-7, is because there's so much bad stuff out there. I mean, we just had, you know, an election in California and we're revving up for the next one. You know, I heard somebody today saying there's only 400 and some days till the midterm election. Great. And now in our election coverage, it's basically, here's the ads. If my opponent wins, he's going to kill you. That's where we've gone in our politics. Uh, why do political campaigns use negative ads? Uh, I used to work in political campaigns, kind of in the background and planning some ads, which is hilarious. Uh, All the stuff that you don't do, you know, I have to repent from some of that, or I had to back in the day. Uh, The reason that campaigns use negative ads, and you always have these candidates come out and go, well, it's going to be a positive campaign, and I want my opponent to pledge to no negative ads. And then the opponent pledges to that, and uh, that goes out the door in about 10 minutes. You know why? It's because negative ads work, because they drive fear that instead of being positive, you scare people to death about their opponent, or you scare people to death about whatever, and that's how things go. Generally speaking, the world is influenced more by the negative than the positive. The world is motivated by fear rather than faith. Here's a question for you. Uh, How are you motivated? What motivates you? We are called scripturally to have wisdom. Wisdom is knowing the realities of the universe and being able to navigate through it in this life. Wisdom is recognizing that reality is persistent, that there are certain things that are true and uh, they're going to... They're going to catch up with you. I heard somebody once say that reality bats last, and uh, that's true. Reality is always going to be there. And here's a reality, that if you're struggling with this, and I think we struggle because of social media. We struggle more than ever before because of social media, because of all kinds of things we struggle. We struggle because of the news that's always negative. There's so much negative stuff, or even the positive stuff we see on social media it hits us as negative because it makes us covet or it makes us imagine we had somebody else's life and we compare our life to theirs. You know, they're showing their smiley picture in Hawaii. What they're not showing is their roach-infested room and how they're screaming and yelling at the kids all the time. Nobody takes a picture and posts that. How are you motivated? see the political process, while it is necessary and it's necessary for us to be a part of it, it has little to do with how God is saving the world. Did you know that? that the political process, it's, it's in God's control. He's picking the leaders, ultimately, that go all about his plans. You see, Joe Biden has plans. I'm not sure if anybody knows what they are, but they have plans. Vice President Harris has plans for what to do, uh, just in case Joe Biden has no plans, which could be the case. Uh, and Gavin Newsom has some plans. There are people running for mayor of Los Angeles right now uh, who have some plans, I guess. But the fate of the kingdom of God does not depend on political contests. There is biblical wisdom that demands that we understand that. And if your optimism is based on who wins an election, or if some policy happens, then you're not seeing the whole picture. Am I optimistic about how Governor Newsom is running our state? No, I'm not. I'm really not. However, as a Christian, my hope isn't there. You know, personally, I thought it'd be amazing to have Larry Elder as governor, even though I thought the state house was controlled by the other party. He's not going to be able to do a whole lot, but it would have changed the conversation. Um, but that didn't happen. And see, as Christians, that that just wasn't God's plan, but God's plans are much better. Christianity is expressed in optimism. So let's talk about optimism this hour. The number is 1-888-528-2557, 888-52-TALKS. Uh, let me take a call here from Bill in South Bay. Bill, Uh, You're on the Southern California Live program.
2: Hello, Pastor. How are you?
1: I'm fine, Bill. Thanks for calling.
2: Uh, You're welcome. I think one of the biggest problems in our society, and I think this goes back to the counterculture in the 60s, the hippies, (laughs) and there were some good things in that era. There were some obvious some tragedies and some things. And one of the worst things was Dr. Benjamin Spock said something I was thinking about, and I think it relates to a lot of behavior today, that the idea of liberty with license, is a failure, and it's never worked. And he regretted that before he died, and he turned back to his Christian faith. Mm. And I think that there are so many people that have no manners, they're rude, and they hurt people's feelings, and they don't say, I'm sorry, like people used to. Even Brenda Lee had a number one hit called, I'm Sorry. Right. And There was a song called, I Apologize, by Billy Eckstein. And we, a lot of Christians, a lot of people accept this, and I think it's going to kill our society. And I think it's, Greg Laurie's talked about it, and I think he's right. I think it's one of the I think he's right. We are living in the end times, and I think it's the behavior. I can see a massive change. While there used to be some people like this, it's become like an epidemic of its own. And I don't know how you feel, but everywhere you go, it's like nobody has any consideration, or very few anyway, compared to what people used to have, whether they're driving, walking, talking, on a cell phone, just any interaction or anything in life you can see, and I'd just like to get your thoughts about it. I think it's terrible.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks for calling, uh, Bill. I appreciate that. You know, I think I think most people feel that way. If you've been around for a while, you know, and you're talking about, uh, you know, an era that was a long time ago and what happened, you know, and what happened with the hippies. And you're right, not everything was bad that came out of that era, but lots of things were. You know, and the hippies were kind of interesting, the stuff that they talked about and wanted to do and kind of against, you know, consumerism and lots of things, but it didn't really work. And so what you did as a hippie is that uh, you cut your hair and you got a job with Merrill Lynch and you made a million dollars and you became the me generation, right? We can get really cynical uh, about that. And I think my, you know, my thought about this, and we'll get to this right after the break here too. And some of your other calls is that we need to practice a discipline of optimism, that it isn't just something that people just kind of have naturally i think some people just have a disposition where that's easier i think that's i think that that's for sure right but i think that the solution even if we're at the end of times we still have a mission to get people to know jesus to make disciples to show people the love of christ and the the rudeness and the disrespect and other things that um, for sure i think have have changed you know some people say well you just don't remember what it was like back then I think in this case we do remember. I think you do, Bill, remember what things were like and you notice how things change. I'm old enough to see, you know, how things have have changed. I think that if we practice optimism as Christians, we do influence the culture. I'll give you an example and then I'll sign off for the commercial here for a second. Wherever a Chick-fil-A opens up in town, I've noticed this because Chick-fil-A has come to town and they're all over the place now, and what do they do? You order your food, they give your food, and you say thank you, and they say my pleasure. And it's shocking, the customer service and what it's like at a Chick-fil-A, right? It's And it is impactful, Chick-fil-A's customer service. It's so impactful that I've noticed this, that now when I drive through other places, and sadly, I'm aware of all of them, Carl's Jr., Taco Bell, St. Arbuck's, wherever you go, they got a drive-through. I've noticed that when Chick-fil-A comes to town, those people working in that drive-through or working at that counter, and I say, thank you, they say, my pleasure, Before Chick-fil-A was in town, those people just shrugged their shoulders. Well, thank you. All right, whatever. You know, it's on the bottom of your receipt. I don't have to say it. now they say, my pleasure. I've noticed that it's infectious. And so here's what I think is something that is true. I think that optimism, I think that being positive, being respectful is driven by being optimistic. I think it's contagious. And I say that so that we would understand this. We do not need to be discouraged or pessimistic about the direction of our culture. I'm saying that there is hope through Christ and through what we can do as believers to make an impact. We see that with Chick-fil-A. We see that in different companies that just have a better philosophy. We see that in churches that have a really good philosophy with how they greet people and how they're kind to people. There's so many things. We're gonna talk about optimism here at the, at the break. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is the Southern California Live program. It's great to be with you. And uh, I'd love to have your phone calls. The number is 888-528-2557. We're talking about optimism. Tell me something you're optimistic about. Tell me your thoughts about this subject. 888-528-2557. I'm Pastor Scott. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back. I am Pastor Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. Good to be with you. The number is 888-888-528-2557. That's 888-52Talks. And we're talking about optimism. And um, I'll take your calls here in just a couple of moments I see a couple of you. Thank you for waiting on there through the break. and uh, incidentally, in, in news here, the Dodgers have won 7-5, home run by Max Muncy, so the Dodgers beat the Colorado Rockies. And keep pace with the Giants. The Giants are playing the Padres right now in the eighth inning. It is six to is six. 6-6. I'll keep you informed. You don't need to turn over to that. But it is important to us, okay? Let's be optimistic, even about our our favorite teams. You know, I used to think, I used to get kind of cynical about uh, baseball players or sports figures who, you know, they – score a run, they hit a home run, or they they um make a touchdown and then they kind of do the little thing where they pound their chest and point to the Lord and they give praise to the Lord or after the game they'd say, you know, I'd like to thank the Lord for this. And you think, ah, does God care about baseball ultimately in the scheme of things. And then one of the things I realized is God is infinite. And as much as there are much more important things in this temporal life than baseball, uh, as many things as God is more concerned about. God has time for you, even in the small victories, even in the tiny things that you do. And we are to give God the glory in all things. And God has time for that. He is infinite. He has complete amount of time for every single part of your life, even the small things, the big things. He knows how many hairs are on your head, the Bible says. He also knows how many hairs used to be on your head. Some of us have to deal with that. We're talking about optimism. And one of the things that, matters is Christianity is expressed in optimism. We have an optimistic faith because God is in control, because we're saved by faith and not by works. I don't know how you'd be optimistic about faith if you think you're saved by your own works. I don't get it. But when I'm saved by faith and I mess up and I know I'm forgiven because Jesus took care of it on the cross, I can have optimism. Optimism as is, is defined by the dictionary as a disposition or tendency to look on the more favorable side of events or conditions and to expect the most favorable outcome pessimism on the other hand is a test a tendency to see the worst aspect of things or believe that the worst will happen are you an optimistic person i'd love to hear about your optimism what are you optimistic about the number is 188852talks 888528 2557, give me a call, and uh, let's talk about optimism. we got uh, Carlos from Whittier. Carlos, uh, you're on the Southern California Live program. Carlos, you still with us? Hi, Carlos. Welcome to the program.
3: Hi, Pastor Scott. Thank you. Uh, this yeah. is uh, first time listening, first time calling. So. Uh, oh, well,
1: welcome. Glad, glad here. you're here.
3: Thank you. Um, uh, she got, got off working of work in overtime. I was telling uh, the screener that I believe that there needs to be a healthy sense of Christian cynicism. Mm-hmm. And uh, simple, simply, I just believe that, uh, you know, Paul spoke about, you know, the world is, is perishing. The world is right. perishing, and so are people, spiritually, physically. I mean, we, we've lived perpetually now for two years in fear, uh, or at least some people have, and, uh, you know, in an atmosphere of just continual, uh, submer- you know, immersion in the world is ending. Yeah. And I think for Christians, the opportunity has been lost, uh, from, especially from the standpoint of many churches that closed and stayed closed and never at any point preached hope and saying your your life might end on any day, regardless of whether it's COVID or or a car accident or cancer, God forbid, any any of these things. Um, so I think if anything, it gave people a, a knowledge and a, and a I think it brought to the forefront the idea that hey, we, we should be in a house of mourning because. We are perishing. Every day is one day less you're going to live, regardless of whether that's another 20 years or another 20 seconds. Um, And I think that as Christians, the optimism needs to be, you know, obviously in Christ, and I think it refocuses us to remember that we are in a perishing world and to not lose the opportunity to tell people, yes, you you know, you may survive COVID. You may get COVID, you may survive, you may not get it. At the end of the day, do you know Christ? Because if you don't, it doesn't matter how long you live or what you die from. You you know, you will meet your maker
1: at that moment. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And, uh, you know, I think we have to be careful with our uh, cynicism. And thank you for calling, Carlos. Thank you for joining us on the program today. Really glad that you're you're listening. Um, I heard somebody once say that there's a fine line between being a bitter person and being cynically optimistic, which I thought was pretty funny. I had to think about that for a while and what that might mean. Um, We don't want to be... Uh, you know, bitter and just down in the dumps about everything. And it's been a rough couple of years for all kinds of ways. And maybe even being cynical is not quite the right word, um, because I think we do need to be realistic, but we can be realistic optimists. You know, in the book of Proverbs, optimism is one of the attitudes, the dispositions that is expressed in the wise person. Okay, the wise person is the optimistic person. It never says that the wise person is the one who doesn't get reality. It never says that the wise wise person is not somebody who understands that we need to mourn things or that there are bad times coming. In fact, you know, some the books of wisdom, you know, the, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes, who I believe is Solomon, you know, he ultimately says, you know, there is wisdom in the morning that maybe it's better to mourn. Um, there's a reality that's there, but the way we interact with people, it's expressed in in the Proverbs as a cheerful heart. Proverbs seventeen twenty two, it says, a cheerful cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Proverbs fifteen fifteen, all the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. Proverbs fifteen thirty, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. 1225, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. I think there's so much wisdom in all of this. And notice that what the Proverbs writer is saying is that there is a practical impact in having a cheerful heart and being optimistic. He says it's good medicine because a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I mean, isn't it great to be around somebody who is is positive, who isn't just negative all the time? Um and I don't mean not realistic, okay, but somebody who, and and not somebody who the Proverbs also says, you know, don't sing songs to a heavy heart. You know, there's always somebody who goes whistling by when they should be mourning with you, and that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the optimistic person who says, you know what, we can get through this, and there is not a, a moment where we need to despair in such a way that there is no hope, And ultimately, it's because we have hope in Christ, and it impacts us. It impacts our our health, actually. People who have a a cheerful heart actually have better health, studies tell us. The Proverbs figured this out 3,000 years ago, Proverbs writers. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. You know how helpful it is to encourage somebody? We live in such a world of of negativity. In fact, if you want to practice optimism, go out and compliment somebody on something. And don't follow it up with the word but. Just tell them, hey, you're doing a great job with this. Hey, I like it when you do this. Hey, this is something you're really good at. I mean, it. you have no idea what they're going through. They're going through some kind of anxiety about something in life. It cheers them up. And this is a disposition that I think it gets us to a place where the church is able to lead in society and be the salt and light that Jesus tells us that we are. I mean, what disposition do you think a Christian ought to have? you know, what did Jesus have? What was his disposition? And optimism, what's really important here, and this is part of what uh, the last caller said, and if you'd like to call and join us, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is the Southern California Live program. We'd love to hear you call about optimism. What kind of disposition should a Christian have? Optimism, it's not just cheerful thoughts. I think this is what the last caller was also getting at. We're not just supposed to have cheerful thoughts or optimism without reason. We are saved by faith. We are not saved by good feelings, okay? It matters. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is not in earthly or ministry success. See, and if you, if you believe these things, if you believe in your heart that you're saved by faith, that no one can take you out of the Lord's hands, that your hope your hope is in Christ, if you believe these things, then you have everything to be optimistic about, no matter what the circumstances are in life, as hard as they can be. And see, and God wants to use you to do amazing things as part of his church. Optimism is never opposed to realistic expectations. There's a pessimist, I know, who he likes to always, he's a pessimist, that's what he does, and he likes to be negative. But he, when you call him out on it, he says, nope, I'm just a realist. you know. And it's sort of like, you know what? Yeah, it just means you're really negative. I mean, this is a guy who... I'm sorry, man, if you're listening, you know who you are. Uh, but I told him this. I said, you are going to complain about the brightness at the throne of God. That is kind of his disposition. He's got to get past that, right? They can't figure out why people don't like to hang out with him. Well, that's why. See, an, But an optimist doesn't have pie-in-the-sky notions. The wise optimist knows that work is necessary to achieve a successful outcome. Proverbs are going to teach that. Scriptures teach that. A true optimist isn't somebody who is just passive. A true optimist knows that there's hard work that must get done and it has to get done by the right people. The optimist believes that this is not only possible, but it is probable. See, the pessimist believes that no one will do the work or if they will, they will fail. And they just bring everybody down. Jesus was an optimist and a realist, okay? He had no problem letting his followers know that persecution will be coming. I mean, think about this. Jesus is your Lord, you're following him. And then he says to you, people are gonna hate you because of me. Persecution is coming your way because of me. Jesus had no problem being real about the condition of this world spiritually and what it's going to mean for his followers. But he also had no problem in letting us know something else, that the gates of hell will not prevail. And let me ask you this question, with all of the stuff, with the COVID, with the chaos in government, chaos around the world, all these things, do you believe that the gates of hell will not prevail? you believe Jesus with that? You know, if you believe that the gates of hell will not prevail, it puts you in a different frame of mind. When you believe that Jesus was right about the things that he's, I have a pastor friend, he loves to say Jesus was right about everything. When you believe that Jesus was right about everything, then you have to believe that the gates of hell will not prevail. And what that means is, is that when we are called by God to be a part of something, when we are called to have a mission and we go in and do it, and for some of us, it calls us to go into the gates of hell and pull people out. The gates of hell will not prevail. We'll be able to do it. We will be successful. The church will be successful. In spite of all the problems that the church has had in 2,000 years, we're wildly successful, actually. That's because it's Jesus's church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. The phone number here is 1-888-528-2557. You can call and tell me about what you're optimistic about, or tell me your thoughts or questions about this subject, Eight 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 five two T A L K S fifty two 52 talks, 52 talks one Five two I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. This is the Southern California Live program. I'll be right back. Stay tuned. All right, we are back. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, your guest host for today on Southern California Live. It's great to be with you. The phone number is 888-52-TALKS, 888 888-52- 52 Uh, talks 528-2557 and we're talking about optimism and if you have uh, some thoughts about optimism and what you're optimistic about we'd love to hear from you and uh, we've had some good calls and lots of good things going on if you're a dodger fan you won today you can be optimistic the padres are tied in extra in the ninth inning with the giants six to six just keeping you up to date on that you know as we close it out um I want to give you a couple of thoughts. I want to go to a call here. I have Jackie from Compton. Uh, Jackie, thanks for being with us on the Southern California Live program. I'm Pastor Scott. Good to have you on the show. Jackie, you're with us? Hi, Jackie.
3: Hi. Um, yes, is, am, I, am I on the show?
1: Yes, you are. Welcome.
3: Oh, hi. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to make a comment. You were talking about what makes you stay optimistic. What, what gets you optimistic? I'm going through a really hard season in my life right now. Mm. But the one thing when you said that I really thought about, it. I said, you know, it's the Lord. It's knowing that I have God. Like, he, like it says in the Bible, I'll never leave you or forsake you.
0: That's so right. that's,
3: my, that's, my, that's what keeps me positive, knowing that even when I'm going through these hard times and I see all this that's going on right now, that knowing that I have the Lord with me, it makes me strong. I'm strong in him. So that's what I wanted to comment on today. Thank you for taking my
1: call. Jackie, thank you for that. And uh, Jackie, you know, whatever you're going through, um, you know, I'm just going to real quick, say a prayer for you. Um, and I want you to stay optimistic. Okay. It is something that will help you get through those things. And you are a hundred percent right to lean on the Lord because when we lean anywhere else, it's just going to fail us but the Lord will never leave you and forsake you. That's part of believing in Jesus, right? It's not just believing in Jesus. It's believing Jesus that his words are true. And when he promises not to leave you or forsake you, he means it. God, I just thank you for Jackie. And I just want to, whatever she's going through, God, I pray that you give her comfort right now, that you work out those details and that you continue to give her confidence in you and optimism Uh, We thank you, Lord, for her call and whatever is going on in her life. Lord, just bless her right now. Thank you, Lord, for her. Keep her um, aware of your presence and your love for her. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when we talk about optimism, her approach is exactly what we need to do. When we have optimism, if you want to be optimistic through your life, one of the things you got to do is believe Jesus, that he's right, he's with you, and the words of, of Jesus are true but also that you can have a mission, that whatever your circumstances are, God still wants you to be in mission. In fact, even if you are away from him right now, you are away from him, you are in sin, you are outside of fellowship, but deep down you know Jesus is knocking at your door and he wants you to let him in and he wants you to repent. When you turn around and he does that, he still uses you. I mean, look at the people he uses in the, in the Bible. Some of them are nuts. Some of them are the worst people possible. Paul, guy's a disaster. And God uses him to be the greatest missionary ever. You know, God may not make you the greatest missionary ever, but he's got a plan for you. In Mark chapter five, there's this great story. It's one of my favorite stories. It goes like this as Jesus, verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Okay, so this guy is sick. He's demon possessed, the scriptures say. And I you know, I know we have a modern audience and some of you might be like, Well, demon possessed, what does that mean? That's a little weird. Did you know, by the way, that you know it means demon possessed is what it means. That's what it means in Greek, just so that you're aware. But did you know, if this bothers you a little bit, you can find modern texts and modern anthropology where you'll find the same term, demon-possessed. I was watching a program at National Geographic where they were were dealing with voodoo in in Haiti, I think. And there's this guy who was just pretty messed up walking around, and the people referred to him as the demon-possessed man. And the narrator, and this is a secular program. They're not pushing Christianity or anything. They referred to him as the demon-possessed man. It was just part of the sentence, and the demon-possessed man walks over to this place. That's what's happening in Scripture, and people accepted that. Jesus heals this guy, okay? So, and I'm telling you that because if it sounds abnormal to you or or not very modern, you know what? It actually is modern. You need to get that out of your head. People think that today, um, and you got to trust the Scriptures here, okay? We're not going to talk about that issue, but I want to point this out. This guy gets healed by Jesus, okay? And he's a mess. He's on the outside of town. He's He's, you know, not really liked by people, but then he wants to go with Jesus. He wants to It's funny because in my brain, I have Jesus like on a bus telling this guy he can't get on the bus, but I'm pretty sure they didn't have buses back then. I need to change that in my brain to a boat or something. But he wants to go be with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, get off the bus. Instead, I want you to go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You know what I love about this is Jesus doesn't say you need to go to the synagogue and take christianity 101 and 201 and 301 and after three or four years then you can go tell people what the lord has done for you he tells this guy who probably has very little other than he understands that he was sick and now he's healed all right you see this over and over again in the scripture when people say how did this happened to you and i don't know but i was blind and now i see and uh it's because of what the lord has done he goes away, and he says, Jesus says, go home to your, some translations say family or friends. The word here is a Greek word. It's oikos, and if you listen to me a lot, you hear this word a lot, and oikos, it means relational world. In the Greek world, you understood your oikos to be the people that you interact with on a regular basis, so they're your family or they're your, your coworkers, the people that you lived with, your, your literal next-door neighbors, oikos. He says, go to your people. Your oikos is your people. If you want to know who your oikos is, everybody's got an oikos. You've got one. It's your people. The guy wanted to be with Jesus, but he says, no, you go, to our, you go to your people. You know, very often in our life, we have a notion of what we think Jesus would want us to do, but in reality, it's something different. And sometimes, you know, being on that boat or bus in my brain with Jesus, feel safe. It's get me out of here. And uh, remember that Southwest ad, you know, want to get away? Yeah, I totally relate to that. Maybe being with Jesus gets me off the hook, but the mission that Jesus has for us is to let other people know what Jesus has done for us. And the thing is, it's not to let people know what Jesus has done for some other person. What has Jesus done for you? And Jesus's mission for us is not to huddle inside the church building and then not run any plays when we're outside. You know, his mission is for his followers to make disciples and we get together in the church building to edify and to build each other up and to worship. And it's important it's important that we do that in person. If you haven't been back to church yet through COVID, uh, this is a real good weekend to do that. Every weekend is go, be a part of it. But to realize that your mission is outside. And, and let me tell you something, if you want to be an optimistic person, you will be optimistic when you get on mission with Christ. You will, when you care about your people, when you care about the people that God has placed in your life. See, these, these people were amazed at this guy. How could he be so effective? How does he suddenly have this story? And you know why? This guy was an optimist. Suddenly he has a cheerful heart, obviously. He didn't go out and say, oh, these people never believe me that the Lord did this for me. He didn't go out and say, oh, they won't listen to me. And he didn't go out and say, God can't change them. You know, he wasn't an Eeyore about it. See, pessimists become spiritually paralyzed, and they can't do what Jesus wants them to do because they're afraid or they're too consumed with their own difficulties. We're called to not be afraid and to be optimistic that God has a plan and that plan is going to work out. Here's a way to be optimistic. Get on mission. Figure out who your your oikos is. I'll tell you to do this a lot, but figure out who the people are that God has placed in your life. The people you live with can be your family or roommates people you live next door to maybe you don't know them as well as you should but you know them a lot right you know if they're screaming and yelling at each other and they know if you're screaming and yelling in your house you probably know more about your next door neighbors than you think and they know a lot about you the people that you work with or the people you go to school with the people that you genuinely spend time with pr- list of those people like actually write them down and pray for them every day and then realize that god has a plan to use you in their life and you can be you can choose here this is your choice be optimistic about it or pessimistic God wants the God has those people on your list that you wrote down um, because he's put you in their life for a reason and if you're saying to yourself, well, I don't have a great testimony you know I'm not like this guy who's demon possessed or some of these people who've been healed or whatever here's what I think you're going to find out when you pray for these people that God has placed in your life you're going to find out that there is something that you've struggled with something you're going through something you've gone through something that is on your heart something that God has worked out with you that just happens to be the same thing as somebody on your list is going through and you find out that God has purposefully and providentially placed you in their life at the right moment. That's how God does things. That is the way that he takes care of things. Be optimistic, be in mission and believe Jesus, believe his words. Everybody, we're out of time. It has been great to be with you today and I'll be back with you Uh, tomorrow on Southern California Live, and uh, we're live at 3 o'clock, 3 to 5 in Los Angeles, and uh, this hour will be the 2 o'clock hour in San Diego, and we'll be on here at 3 o'clock. Go to ktla.com and kprz.com to check out what's going on with your favorite radio stations right here. Thank you for joining me. I'm Pastor Scott Furrow. I'll be back with you again tomorrow. God bless you.
0: Have a great night